We'll say good morning and incredible schools to be able to with all of you today. And although I miss uh, very much being with you in person, at least we get to learn together virtually. We begin by thanking all of our sponsors for this morning show to thank our Talmud Torah sponsors for the month of the month of Teves, the month of Teves, we thank our Talmud Torah sponsors for the month of Teves, Selma Wolf, for dedicating all the Sherman Joshua's this month with immense gratitude to Hashem for giving a refor shlema to all those in need and in honor of our brave soldiers and the schos of all of our hostages coming home, Shalom and Bikarov. Our Dafyomi sponsor for today, Brian Tannen, in memory of his father, whose yard site is the sixth night of Hanukkah, Baruch Yaakov, Ben Shlomo Aryeh, Zichron of the Brach, Yom, Dan, and the Merit of our Talmud Torah, the Nisham will have an Aliyah and the family in Nicham. And of course, we dedicate the entire Mesechus Baba Kamo, Le'ilui Nishmas, Master Sergeant Elio Michal Harush, Hashem Yikom Domo, we hope that in the Merit of our Talmud Torah, his Nisham will have an Aliyah and his family in Nicham. I will say today's daf is Mem Aleph, 41. And we are picking up Emir Hashem on Mem Amabes 40b at the two dots. We have a Baruch Hashem. We have a lot to do today. So the Gemara says as follows. So let's just actually start from the two dots again. So the Gemara says, So remember again, we learned about this interesting concept of a shar that is groomed to fight, like a, like a gladiator shar that was groomed to fight. So if this shar kills such an individual, Ultimately, the shor is not put to death. In other words, whereas normally, when a shor kills a person, the shor is put to death. But Lamaisa, if the shor was trained to do so, conditioned to do so, then halacha Lamaisa, the shor is not put to death, the Mishnah says. Okay, you're not going to put it to death. Can you use it as a carbon? Shadow can use it as a carbon. So the Gemara says, Mach Lokas, so Rav Amar Kasha, Rav says yes, Shmuel Amar Pasha, Shmuel says no. Rav Amar Kasha, Rav says it's Kasha. Why would Rav say that it's Kasha? Anasu, because at the end of the day, the animal's an Anasu. The animal didn't choose to, you know, to be groomed for fighting. This is what happened to the animal. As a result, it's still Kasha for the Mizbeach. Shmuel Amar Shmuel says, Pasha, Hare Ne'avad Ba'avera. Shmuel says no, at the end of the day, it's still committed in Avera. In other words, the fact that Halacha it wasn't intentional, right? And the fact, and the fact that at the end of the day, that, that, that it wasn't done intentionally, in other words, from, from the Shar's perspective, the Shar was groomed for this, doesn't take away from the fact that an Avera was done with it. In other words, at the end of the day, it killed someone. It killed someone. So Shmuel says, therefore, because an Avera was done with it, therefore Halacha Therefore, Allah you cannot use it for a carbon. So, may say, we'll say first wide line, may say, mina behema. Now, j- just to illustrate the puzzle that's happening over here, the Torah says as follows Dabra Salim, speak to the Jewish people and say unto them, Adam kiyakriv mi kem carbon la Hashem. If a person will offer up a carbon to Hashem, mina behema, min habakar u from an animal, from an animal, min habakar from cattle, min from sheep, takrivas carbon chem. Now, what's interesting is min, whenever you see the word minabakar, min means from the cattle, or minabahema, from the, from the animals. Min means some types yes, other types no. The Pasik itself is coming to exclude something. So it says the Gimara, minabahema So minabahema means that if you have an animal that either sodomized a person or was sodomized by a person, ultimately, again, can't be used as a carbon. Minabakar, lahotzias haneavad. So minha bakar, in other words, from the cattle you could bring, but not all cattle. What does that come to exclude? An animal that was worshipped as idolatry. Minatzon, lohosiasa muktza. 
Minatzon teaches you ultimately something that is set aside for idolatrous purposes, for idolatrous sacrifice. Let's say a sheep was set aside for idolatrous sacrifice, even if it wasn't actually sacrificed, right? But it was set aside, that's enough to preclude it from being offered up as a carbon. Uminatzon, uminatzon, lootiyas hanogeach. And ultimately, again, the extra umin, the extra vav, is ultimately to also exclude ultimately one that gores. Or Shimon, so why, why do you need all of these, right? So Shimon says, if the Pasuk is already coming to exclude ultimately the one that sodomizes, why do you need to go to mention the one that gores? And if it mentions the one that gores, why do you have to mention the one that sodomizes? Why? Because there are different qualities. There are different qualities that the nogeach, the gorer has, that the sodomizer doesn't, and vice versa. So for example, rovea, if an animal is sodomized, the Gemara says, so remember again, whether the animal, so to speak, was involved in the event or the event was visited upon the animal, the animal is still possible. So whether again it was, so to speak, you know, I don't know if the right word is consensual or against the will of the animal, then again, the animal is still precluded from being offered up. Yet with a gorer, the only time that an animal that scores is precluded is when the animal does so intentionally. But as you saw in the Mishnah, if the animal is groomed for it, then ultimately, again, that does not preclude it from being used. So furthermore, an animal that gores and kills someone ultimately pays kofar. An animal that sodomizes doesn't pay kofar. So therefore, again, we have to include both the exclusion for rovea and the exclusion for nogeach. Now, the Gemara says, Katani mihas rovea asu ba'ones kiratzom, nogeach lo asu ba'ones kiratzom. Now, either way, the Gemara says like this, what do you see from here? When it comes to sodomizing, ultimately, again, we make ones kiratzon. In other words, whether something was done to the animal against its will or the animal actively participated. So, lemaisa, again, it's the same status. So, the Gemara says, lemaihilchosa. Now, the Gemara says, now here's what's interesting. It's the Gemara says, in this respect, nogeach, goring, is different than sodomizing. If the animal is sodomized, right, whether the animal sodomizes or is sodomized, so whether it's done biratzon or baones, the animal is precluded from carbonic use. Nogeach, the Gemara says, if it gores, there's a distinction between if the animal ultimately, again, actively did this on its own or, again, was forced to do this. So the Gemara says, lamai Love the carbon. Are we not talking about for sacrificial purposes? And therefore, for sacrificial purposes, you see, you see that ultimately, again, this distinction, this distinction holds. To which the Gemara says, "Lo liktala." No, it means to put the animal to death. So the Gemara says it must be clear that it's ultimately, again, talking about death penalty and can't be talking about carbon. Why? Because if at the end of the day, the Gemara talks about, again, nogeach, so, I'm sorry. So the Gemara says, you see from here that we must be talking about whether or not to put the animal to death. That in other words, whether or not to put the animal to death depends on whether or not the animal gored of its own volition or not. If it gored of its own volition, then there's a death penalty. If it didn't gore of its own volition, i.e. it was groomed, to gore, like the gladiator shore, then enachinami, it is not put to death. What about for carbonic purposes? So again, remember, this is Hamachol, this is Rabbi Shmuel. What about for carbonic purposes? So normally we see 
that an animal that was participated in Navera, whether the animal actively participated or the animal was forced to participate, what we call ones, normally the animal is precluded from carbonic use. So what about in this case where the animal is groomed to kill and then kills and then kills? So we know the animal is exempt from the death penalty. Can it be offered up as a carbon? The Rambam Paskins like Rav, that is kosher. That since the animal, again, did not exhibit this behavior on its own, but rather, again, it was groomed for this. Therefore, haloch not only is the animal not put to death, but it could actually be used as a carbon as well. Incredible. Let's go back to Amarar. If an animal gores a person and kills him, you pay kofar. If the animal sodomizes a person, you don't pay kofar. So the says, okay, hey, tell me, what's the case? If we're talking about a case when an animal sodomized the person and killed the person, so then what does it matter if an animal kills a person with its horns or kills a person by sodomizing it? The aloha is, if an animal kills a person, you pay kofar. Rather, it must be a case of where what? The animal sodomized the person but did not kill them. So the Gemara says, okay, if it didn't kill them, So remember, the reason you don't pay kofar is because he didn't kill the, the animal didn't kill the person. Kofar is only a payment that's done when the animal kills the person. So if the, if the animal is sodomizing a person, but at the end of the day, not killing them, then why would there be kofar? So the Gemara says, here's the case. The case that Bayi says is where the animal sodomized the person, but didn't end up killing them. Now let's say again, the case where the animal sodomized the woman, right, to the woman. So in that case, again, she's going to be, unless she was compl- complicit in the act, so she's going to be brought to Beisdin and executed for the act of bestiality. So I might have thought like this, top of Memala 41a, dummy. I might have thought that since the animal committed an act, that ultimately results in the death of this woman, that therefore should be like the animal killed the woman, and therefore the owner should have to pay kofar. Kamash malam, no. Kamash malam, it's not the case. The only time an animal pays kofar is when the animal itself actively kills someone. Rava Amarava says, the olam durava v'katla. No, the case is actually where the animal sodomized the woman and killed her. You say, well, the animal's killing her then of course you should have to pay kofar. What's the shayla? In other words, if an animal kills a person, there's a chiyiv kofar. What does it matter how the animal killed the person? So the says, Karen, hai atzmohu. So we'll say, interestingly enough, the Gemara says, maybe this case is a little bit different because typical Karen, typical Karen or typical killing of a person, the shark killing a person, the kavanas to do damage. Here, the kavana of the shark is for its own pleasure. But my plea, you are they arguing about? Beregal shaldar sagabi tinok nizak. This can be comparable to a case. We saw this actually case a, a little while earlier. Yan Chavav. Bizarre Shaz points out on, on, on Daf Chavav. If an animal tramples on a baby in the Chatzar of the Nizak. So remember again, this is a case of Regal in the, in the Chatzar Nizak. La Bay Mishalin Kofer. So according to Baye, you still pay Kofer. La Rava Lo Mishalin Kofer. For Rava, you don't pay Kofer. So what do you see from here? You see from here that when an animal kills someone, in the course of regel, in the course of regel, which could either be, so again, 
regal or shame for that matter. In the case of the activities of daily living or in the case of the pursuit of pleasure, do you pay kofar? Abaye says you do, Rabbi says you don't. Tanya Kaval say Rav. So we'll say, so that's the Machlokis over here. So the rice that supports Rav. So Rav, the Shara, it's done in Enu Chai Misa, the Kashal Gabi Amisbech, Mibneshu Kimusa. All right, the Gemara comes full circle. And full circle ultimately again is that Halachal Maisa. First of all, first of all, the way we paskin is that when a Shara kills someone, whether a shark killed someone, you know, as a form of Karen, or the shark killed someone in the, in, as a form of Shane or Regal, you pay kofar. You pay kofar. Now the Gemara is off by, the Sukkot by saying that Halacha follows Rav, namely again, that Halacha Lamaisa, if you have a shark that was trained to kill, and that shark kills someone, not only is that shark not put to death, but Rav, but Rav Paskins, that the shark is kosher for the Mizbeach, can be used as a sacrificial offering. Incredible. I will say, Mishnah Mem Aleph Amandalef, Mishnah 41a, Shor Shenagach Es Adam Umeis. If a shark gores someone and the person died, what's talacha? Muad mishalim kofer, a muad pays kofer. Vitam patra min kofer, but a tam does not pay kofer. I see, interesting, right? So the only time, so the Mishnah is not qualifying, the only time you pay kofer is if it was a muad. If it's a tam, you don't pay kofer. Vizeh, vizeh, chayavan misa. But Allah so whenever a shark kills someone, there's always a chi of misa. The shark itself is always going to be put to death afterwards. And so too, again, if the shark killed a child, a son, a boy or a girl, even a child, in other words, the din of kofar and the din of misa ultimately is going to be whether the child, whether the shark kills an adult or a child. So this is very, so now we have a very important distinction over here. So first of all, two things. Number one, the din of kofar only applies to muad, doesn't apply to tam. That's number one. That's number one. But no matter what, whenever a shark kills someone, that shark is always going to be put to death. And that's true whether it's a tam or whether it's a muad. Nagach eved o amo. If the shark goes ahead and gores an eved or an amo, no sim shloshim sloim, bein shu yafe mana, bein sheino yafe eladino echad. But if the shark goes ahead and gores, gores an eved or an amo, ultimately again the penalty payment is going to be for 30 sloim. So again, penalty for killing an eved is independent of the eved's worth. It's a knas. It's a penalty payment of 30 sloim. Okay, incredible. Says the Gemara, V'chime achar, Demitam katlina le, Mu'ar hechim mishkachasav. So we'll say, so now the Gemara is an interesting question. What did the Mishnah say? If a shar kills someone, so whether or not the shar is a Mu'ar or a shar is a Tam, the shar is executed, the shar is killed. Then the Mishnah said, or before the Mishnah said, that halacha lemaisa, if a Tam, if a Tam goes ahead and gores someone, there's no kofar. But if a Mu'ar kills someone, there is kofar. So the Mishnah says, I don't understand. How do you ever have a case of a muad that kills someone? After all, again, after all, the halach is that if a tam kills someone, ultimately the tam itself, all right, there's no kofar, but it's executed. So if a tam is, if a tam is executed for killing someone, so lemaisa, how do you ever come to a case of, how do you ever come to a case of muad? It's a good shayla. To which the Gemara says, Amar Rabba, says, you know, what's the case? It's interesting. The case could be where the Shar attempted to kill three people, but never actually killed them. You know, unfortunately, Nebuch, an unsuccessful Shar, right? So he tries to, in order, we see clearly that there is an, an actionally intentional behavior to kill. So Rabbi says, maybe that makes him a Muad, and therefore the fourth time he does it, and he's successful, and he's successful, he'll be a Muad, and he'll pay Kofar. Ravashi, Ravashi says, Ravashi says, no. Ravashi says, what are you talking about? You're going to make the short amur because of intention? Umdana means essentially like intentional assessment is irrelevant. 
right? We, we, we don't make a Shara Mu'ar based on the fact that he wanted to kill three people. Ah, you wanted to kill three people, so you're a Mu'ar. We don't go ahead and do that. There's a tremendous Musar Haskell in this also. Um do not love Klumhu, which means, you know, intentionality, intention, intentionality is practically irrelevant. Meaning what? That you could have intentions to do whatever you want, but intentions do not create realities. Actions create realities. It's true for the Shar and it's true for us, right? So Ravashi is saying, very nice Shar, you wanted, you, you wanted, you intended to kill three people. Did you do it or didn't you do it? If you didn't do it, you're not a Muad. You're not a Muad. You had intention. Intention is beautiful, but intention does not shape reality. Actions shape reality. Umdina lav klum. Intentionality or intentional assessment, that doesn't create realities. Only actions create realities. Also, if you think about it, this is the entire Yisod of Chanukah, right? The Chashmonaim could have come into the Beis HaMikdosh and they could have looked at everything that was going on around them, the mass destruction, the mass defilement, one little jug of oil, and they would say, oh, how much we would love to be able to light the menorah. But alas, there is only one jug of oil. Let's wait a little bit longer. We'll make ritually pure oil tar, oil, and then we'll light the menorah. The godless of the Chashmonaim is that they took action. They did not know that that action was going to result in a miracle that would allow the menorah to remain lit for eight days. They had no idea about that. They thought they were just lighting the menorah for one day. But the Chashmonaim understood, actions create realities. Intentions do not. I don't know, I think for most of us, had we been one of the Chashmonaim, walked into the base of Mikdash and seen everything there, we would have said, oh, I wish, I wish I could kindle the menorah in the right way, and then let's move on to something else. The godless of the Chashmonaim is that they were not satisfied with intentions. Umdina love. Milsa, intentions are not enough. Actions, even small ones, make all the difference and shape current realities. Incredible. So the Gemara says, Ela Hagamas, Ela Hagamas, Kinnis, what's the case over here? How do you make, how did this animal ever become a Muad? Kigon She Sikain Lishosha Bene Adam. Interesting about the case over here is where the Shar injured three people. Injured three people. He didn't kill them. He didn't kill them. And then what ends up happening? And then when it, actually the Gemara here is operating under the assumption that an animal becomes a muad after two times and not after three times. That's the lashon over here. The animal injured two people, didn't kill them. Then he injures the third or kills the third. And when he kills the third, the other two die as well. So it turns out that he's killed three people. He's a muad. But because he never killed someone before, therefore he was never executed. Okay, so Rav Zvi Amar Rav Zvi said, "Go Shaharak Shlosha Behemos Umuad Lebehem." Sorry, what's the case? The case: How did this shark become a muad? He killed three animals. So that's how he's a muad. Now he kills a person. So the Amar said, "One second, Umuad Lebehem Avi Muad Laadam." But does killing three animals make you a muad for people? In other words, no. That makes you a muad for animals, not a muad for people. Ela Amar Rav Ashi, "Kigon Shaharak Shlosha Ovdei Kochavim." The case is maybe the case over here. Remember again, we're just trying to figure out if a tam who kills a person is put to death, then how do you ever become a muad for killing people? So the Gemara is suggesting over here, maybe the case over here is where he killed three Gentiles, three ovdei kochavim. And now in the fourth time he kills a Jew. So the Gemara says, one second, the muad ovdei kochavim, habi muad Yisrael, but that doesn't make you a muad. Remember again, muad is something very specific. We spoke about this before already. That muad means you are warned and you are like... You are a habitual offender for a particular type of damage. So does killing three Ovdei Kochav and make you a muad for Yisrael? The Pashto's not. El Amr Bishom Alevi. Amr Bishom Alakish. Sorry, Kigon. 
So what's the case? So we'll say where the Shar killed three Trefas. Remember, a Trefa is a person with the condition from which he is imminently going to die. If you kill a Trefa, you're not Chayiv Misa. Why not? Because essentially in Halacha, you've killed someone who already Kivyachal is dead. Is dead. So maybe he killed three trefas, and now the fourth time he kills the guy, so he's a muad for killing people. To which the says, "No, no, no." So the Gemara says, "Muad the trefa, muad the shalim is becoming a muad for a trefa." Ultimately, does that make you a muad for a totally healthy person? El Amra Papa the katal va'arak la'agma the katal va'arak liagma. Papa says, "Here's the case." The shark killed someone and ran away and hid. The shark killed someone, and so he became a muad, but we were never able to bring the shark to din. We were never able to execute it. Why? Because every time it killed, it ran away and hid. All right, so the Gemara says, So Rav Achabred Ravika, Amar Kigon Shehuzmu Zomame Zomamin. Interesting. So Rav Achabred Ravika says something very interesting. He says, What's the case? The case is where the shark was accused of killing people. Aiden testified. Then Aiden came along. First set of Aiden testified that we saw Reuven Shar, Shar kill Shimon, Levi, and Yehuda. And then what happens? And then what happens? A second set of witnesses come and say that the truth is, first set of witnesses, you cannot have seen what you saw because you were with us. Then a third set of witnesses come and disprove the second set of witnesses, which then reinstates the testimony of the first set of witnesses. So kind of like instantaneously, this shard becomes a muad. So that makes sense if you hold that ultimately the muad, we saw this before, the muad status is for the shar. So if that's the case, even if all three testimonies kind of coalesce or concretize at the same time, you can make the shar a muad. But if at the end of the day, the point of the muad is to go ahead and warn the person, so the Gemara says, if, you, if this guy, if the owner of the shar finds out, Ruben finds out that his shar is a muad about three times all at, all at once, that's not fair. Because we'll say he never had time to go ahead and prevent his shar from becoming a muad. To which the Gemara says, the cases where the witnesses who testify that Reuven, Shor, Gord, Shimon, Levi, and Yehuda, right, ultimately, again, the witnesses also testify, Reuven, you are with your Shor each of those three times. So you can't claim ignorance. All right? Rava Amar Rava says, The cases where the witnesses know that the Shor that did the injury was the Shor of Reuven, but they don't know which Shor it was. So my So what do, you, what do you want from Ruvain? If they can't identify which shard is, what do you want him to do? To which the You have a goring shore. You should have watched your entire herd. So we'll say, so bottom line, what's the point of this? The point is just to try to come up with a case where you could have a tam that is a muad for kill, that, excuse me, a muad for killing people. Because remember, the Mishnah says, if a tam kills someone, the tam is put to death. If a muad kills someone, the muad is put to death and pays kofar. But if a tam is already put to death that for killing a person, then how could you become a muad for killing people? So the Gemara comes up with all of these different constructs which could allow for that. Incredible. Now remember again, whether you're a tam shor or a muad shor who kills, so you're put to death. So I will say, so the Pasuk over here is talking about a shor that gores a person. If the shor goes a person, the first pasuk says, "V'chiyiga shor es ish o es isha vames sakol yisakel hashor v'lo yechalas pisaro." Right. So the pasuk says, if the shor, if a shor will gore a person and the person dies, the halach is the shor is stoned. 
right? So the shard itself is executed, and you can't eat of the flesh. Balash or Naki, right? Can't eat of the flesh. The Gemara says, Mimasha Shnemar Sakal Yisakel. Any Odesh Neveli, Unavela Surabachila. I don't stand. If you tell me that the shard is stoned, that means if it's stoned, it's an Avela, it's a carcass. If it's a carcass, then you're not allowed to eat its meat. So, why does the Torah need to say you can't eat the meat? The Pasuk is coming to teach me. The Pasuk is coming to teach me. Oh, so it's coming to teach you something different. It's coming to teach you that if the, if the animal was shechted after, after the verdict was delivered, Halachalamaisi still can't eat it. So in other words, if you have a shard that killed someone, Bazdin went ahead and deemed it. It's going to be executed. And then before he actually executed it, someone shechted it. Someone shechted it. So he still can't eat it. So that's what means you can't eat it. You can't even get benefit from it. So Yomar says, Tamud Lomar, Ubal Hashar Naki. The owner of the ox will be Naki. My mash now Naki means literally cleansed or clean. My mashma There's an expression that sometimes you say, you know, so and so has went away clean, has gone away clean from his property. Gone away clean from his property means he doesn't have it, he doesn't own it, and he can't get benefit from it. So from this pasuk, you see that not only can you not eat the animal, right, but you also can't go ahead and get hanaa from the animal. So now we're using the phrase, don't eat it to teach me that even after the verdict on the shor, to execute the shor was delivered, if somebody went and shechted the shor, you still can't eat it. I don't know that it's referring to that. Maybe you're allowed to eat it. Maybe if after the verdict was passed, but before the shah was executed, somebody came along and shechted the shah, maybe you are actually allowed to eat that shah. And the Pasuk that says you can't eat the meat. That's coming to teach you that after the shah was stoned, you can't get Hanna'a from the Shah any benefit. Kid Rabbi Avo, like Rabbi Avo, what is Rabbi Avo? Say, Rabbi Avo, I'm Rabbi Lazar, Kamakum Shnemar, Lo Yachel, Lo Yocha, Lo Socha, Lo Sochlu, Echad Israhil, the Echad Israhil, Naba Mashma, Rabbi Avo holds in general, whenever you see a biblical prohibition of don't eating, not to eat, Lo Yocha, Lo Socha, Lo Sochlu, it always comes to include consumption and Hanna'a. Achifrat Lacha, Kosek, Gider Shapart Lacha, Benavela. Until, unless, of course, the Torah goes out of its way to give you an exception, like it does by Nevela. By Nevela, it says, right, that ultimately, again, you could give it to a ger, all right, or you could sell it to an akum. So why don't we just say, Lo Yechel comes to teach you that you can't get Hanal? To which the Gemara says, Amri Hanim Yilehecha, Dinafek Le Israhil of Israhil Mikramale. I'm sorry, Mikramalo Yochal. That's only true. Yavo's statement is only true. When both of these prohibitions need to be learned out from the same phrase. But here it's different. Why? Because here the Torah says, what do you do with the shah that killed someone? You stone it. Once you stone it, it's an Avela. Once it's an Avela carcass, obviously I can't eat it. So that's where the Israhila is being learned out from. So therefore, again, if Lo Yachel is just coming to teach in Israhil, let the Torah say, don't benefit. Inami, lo yochal es bisaro lamali. If at the end of the day, why don't you lo yochal bisaro at all? The avagav, the avdi ke'in basar, the shachte asar. 
It's coming to teach me that Allah is coming to teach me that even if I go ahead and I treat a Ka'in Basr, in other words, I shecht it in the proper way, ultimately, again, it's still going to be Asr. Okay. Maskif Lamar Let's say now, so now we're back to where we started. We're back to the Israhila, the idea that I can't eat a shar. That, right, that I can't eat the shard. So that comes from Sakol Yisakel. Because once you're stoning the shard that killed the person, obviously it's a carcass, you can't eat it, it doesn't have proper shkita. Therefore, again, Lo Yeachel comes to teach me that what? You also can't get Hana'ah. Lo Yeachel also teaches me that if I shecht the shard after the verdict was delivered, but before it was executed, you also can't go ahead and eat the shard. Enoa, we'll say, Mem Aleph Mabes, 41b. Also, maybe the prohibition to eat the shar if it's shechted after, if it's shechted after, sorry, maybe the prohibition to eat the shar if it's shechted after, after Allah Chalamaisa, you go ahead and, sorry, if you shechted after the verdict, is only if you shechted like with a stone, a sharpened stone. Because shechting with a sharpened stone is like skilo. However, maybe if you shecht it with a knife, it should be permitted for consumption. Does the Torah only speak about shechting an animal with a knife? Vatanan, we learn, Ultimately, you can shecht an animal with anything, as long as it's sharp, right? You can shecht it with a handsaw, right? Magal yad, or a sickle, right? A sharpened stone, a sharpened reed. As long as it's sharp, and it has the ability to go ahead and cut the simonim, ultimately it's kosher. So, the the hashta de Okay, so now it turns out that in reality, we're learning two things out from the phrase We're learning out Israel and we're also learning out that if you shecht the animal after the verdict was delivered, before it was stoned, you also can't eat it. Can't eat it then, and you also can't get any hana. So now the Gemara says, the Hashda Dinafkis Lay Israel Israel what do I need that phrase Balasharnaki? So we'll say, so again, so here's what I have, just to go through the Pasuk. So when it says Sakol Yisakel, that teaches me that there's an Israhilo, you can't eat it. Obviously, you can't eat it because it's an Avela. Then it says Lo Yachel, Lo Yachel teaches me that even if you shechted after the verdict, before the animal was, was stoned, you still can't eat it. It also teaches me an Israhana that you're not allowed to get benefit. Those are all the things I learned. If that's the case now, the phrase Bal Hasharnaki, what do I need that for? What does that teach me? So this is incredible. The Gemara says, Bal Hasharnaki, Bal Hasharnaki, Lamali, Lahanaas Oro. It comes to teach that you're not allowed to get benefit from the hide. Interesting, right? That even I, not only can I not get benefit, not only can I not eat the meat, not only can I get a benefit from the meat, I can't even get benefit from the hide itself. I would have thought, it's only ultimately the meat that is asr but maybe again the hide should be permitted. Therefore, the Pasek teaches me Okay, so Balasharnaki means literally you can't get any benefit. You're clean, you're cleansed, you're free. You can't get any benefit from anything. But for the opinion that uses Balasharnaki for a different drasha, 
as we'll see later on. Hanaas Aurominalu, from where do you know that you can't get benefits from the hide? So Nafkaluhu Nafkaluhu um Good. Fine. Nafkaluhu me es bisaro es hatafalibsaro. So I'll say, so we're going to see. So one opinion says you can't get now here's what's interesting. Everyone's going to agree you can't get benefit from the hide. The shaila is where you're learning it. So the first opinion says you learn it from Bal Hashar Naki. The owner of the shar is totally cleansed from any from any ownership interest. He gets no he cannot get any benefits from anything. Fine. So according to, so that, that works fine according to that opinion. But according to the opinion who uses that drush of Bal Hashar Naki for something else, as we'll discuss. So at the end of the day, where does he learn out that you can't get benefit from the hide? So the Gemara says, from Es Bisaro. Right? The Pasik says, Veloyachel Es Bisaro. Now, Es Rabosai is a ribui. Whenever you see the word Es, Es comes to include something else. So Es Bisaro means not only can you not get benefit from the flesh, but you also can't get benefit from something additional. What's the additional item? It's the hide. It's the hide. So the Gemara says something amazing. The Haitano, I'm sorry, the Haitano es lo darish. But the first Tano who learns it out from Balasharnaki, he doesn't darshan s. Now, also, we're going to see that the ability to darshan s is a fundamental machlokas. Watch this Gemara. We've seen this Gemara before. It's absolutely beautiful. Kidisanya, Shimon Hamsuni, the Amri Lei, the Amri La, Nechemia Hamsuni. Some Shimon Hamsuni, some say it was Nechemia Hamsuni. What did they say? Hayyadarish is called S in Shabbat Torah. So we'll say Shimon Amsoni was known, he would darsh in every S. Remember, S is a reboy. It always comes to include something else. And he was darshaning S in like no one's business. Until, Kevin Shigia, la S Hashem Then he got to the Pasuk, to S Hashem And Hashem, your God, you shall fear. Now, if you say that S is a reboy, that means it's come to include something else. So at the end of the day, what else could it be coming to include in this Pasuk? So Amrulo Tamida Rebbe called so 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 Kevin Shegiel Tira Pirish. So Shimon Amsuni said, I don't know, there's nothing to darshan from this Pasak. What else can you include? What else can you include in the obligation to revere Hakadish Baruch? So just let's say what's happening over here. Shimon Amsuni, his 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 whole chap was whenever he saw an S, he understood that S is always coming to include something additional. Something additional. He gets to Es Hashem Elokecha Tira. He gets to that. The Pasuk says, And Hashem, your God, you should revere. So if Es is coming to include something else, I mean, something else is being included in the obligation to revere the Rebono Shalom. Well, what else could be included in the obligation of reverence for HaKadosh Baruch Hu? So this led him to the recognition that, you know what? I was wrong. My exegetical method of darshaning Esin is incorrect. So Piresh, he stopped. He stopped. Stopped. So the Tamidim, Arnold Tamidim, his Tamidim said to Rebbe, called Esin Shadarash Tamateal and Rebbe, so what's, what about all of the other drushas you made? What's going to happen now? What happens to all of those drushas? So this is incredible. Amr Lahem, Keshem Shekibalti Schala Adrisha, Kach Kibalti Schala Prisha. The same way that I got reward for making all of the drushas, I'll make, I'll get reward now for what? Not making the drushas. In other words, what, 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 what Shimon Amsudin was saying was, the whole Yisod in Torah is amelos, is putting in effort. So I made effort to try to darshan all of the essence. I thought I was going down the right exegetical path. And then it turns out, I'm wrong. Turns out I'm wrong. Because here's a Pasuk, Es Hashem where you can't use the S to darshan something in addition to revering HaKadosh Baruch Hu. 
So Shilam Sweden said, I thought I was right, but I was wrong. But don't be dismayed. Don't be dismayed. The same way that I got schar for all of the drushas, I'll get schar for not making the drushas, for abstaining, even from pulling back, from rescinding the drushas. Why? Because greatness in Torah is about amelos. It's about putting in the effort. And I feel good. I put in the effort. I thought I was going down the right track, but I was wrong. Achava Rabbi Akiva. Rabbi Akiva said, Shimon, I'm sorry, you're not wrong. You're not wrong. You're absolutely right. So what does the S come to include? What does it come to include? So beautiful. It comes to include the reverence that one should show for Tamidei Chachamim. That as the Pasak as Hashem Lekei you should revere HaKadosh Baruch Hu, and the S comes to include the reverence and covet that one should have for Torah scholars. Now, what does that mean? Because the covet of a Tamid Chacham, it's not his own covet. It's a derivative of the Ribono Shalom's covet. What does a Tamid Chacham do? The Tamid Chacham learns and he teaches the Torah of the Ribono Shalom. So he's taking the Ribono Shalom's covet, and ultimately, again, he's the conduit to disseminate it to the masses. So therefore, Rabbi Akiva says, we have an obligation to honor and to revere the Talmud Chacham. It's not because of him. It's because of the Torah that he teaches, the Torah that he represents, the Torah that he learns. So his covet is a derivative covet of the Ribbon Shalom. So Rabbi Akiva says, that's the S. S Hashem Elokech So the Pasuk says, revere HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And S comes to include the reverence that one is obligated to show for Tamidei Chachamim. So such a beautiful and such, a, such an incredibly overwhelming, overwhelming. So it turns out that Shimon Sunni wasn't wrong. He thought he was wrong, but it turns out he was correct. But I think in Shimon Sunni's words, there's a beautiful lesson to be learned as well, right? So Shimon Sunni, first of all, as we mentioned before, just teaching us what it means to learn Torah, what it means to steig in Torah, what it means to engage in Torah is to put in the effort. I sometimes, you chap everything, sometimes you don't chap everything. Sometimes you have clarity, sometimes you don't. Sometimes you get halach you don't get halach Sometimes you get the right pshat, and sometimes you're wrong. It's okay. Because greatness in Torah doesn't come ultimately, again, from the results. Greatness in Torah ultimately comes from being willing to put in the effort. That's what Shem and Amsuni was saying to his Talmidim. But I think also in this phrase, Kishim Shemekablin Schar Ala Drisha, Kach Mekablin Schar Ala Prisha, is also maybe talking about two different forms in our Avodah Sashem. Kishim, the same way that you, rec- that you get Schar and Drisha, what's Drisha? So Drisha, right, to be Dorish something means to actively seek something out. Right? To be Dorish, right? To be, to, to, to ultimately, like Gemara says, we're have to be Dorish, so you have to seek out the Yerushalayim. So Drisha perhaps refers to Kumase. Drisha refers to the parts of our Yiddishkeit that are positive, dynamic, and actional. Kishim Shemekablin Schar Ala Drisha. We're an actional religion. Go out, accomplish things like we were talking about before. We said before, umdina lav klumhu. Intentionality is not enough. Good intentions are not enough. You gotta deliver. You gotta do actions. Kishem shemekabli schar ala drishal. Just like there's schar for dynamic activity. Kath mekablin schar ala prisha. There's also schar from abstention. Meaning what? When a person finds the koach to battle their yitzahara. And a person finds the koach not to give in to their desires, to their wants, to their proclivities, to their lusts. But a person finds the power to stand still. It's like sometimes, sometimes the greatest accomplishment in life is I am not getting up from this chair to do the negative things I want to do. I'm going to keep myself anchored in place. I'm not moving. 
sometimes that's the greatest schos that a person could have. So Shemun Sunni is giving us kind of like the dialectic in our Avodas Hashem. Kishem Shebekablin Schar Ala Drisho, the same way that there is schar for positive, dynamic activity. Yeah, you can't live life just thinking about what you want to do. Right? You got to do it. There's schar for living a dynamic, actional life. Kach Mekablin Schar Ala Prisha. There's also a schar from separating yourself from the things that'll bring you down. The Shebi Atasa. That the schar for resisting the temptation for doing things. The schar for allowing yourself to remain in place and not running to do the negative things you want to do. There's incredible schar for that as well. This is the dialectic of the Jew. The Jewisha and the Prisha. I have to live a life of where I engage in dynamic activity. Chapping up all of the opportunities that are right in front of me every single day. While at the same time exercising the incredible self-restraint. The incredible self-restraint, not to give in to my wants, my desires, and my proclivities. And when I have that jerisha, and when I have that prisha, then it's Esa Hashem Elokecha Then ultimately, again, that's what it means to live a life of reverence for HaKadosh Baruch Hu. When I run out to engage in an anamic activity and find the self-restraint not to indulge every desire, that's a life. That's a life. Of Yiras Hashem. All right, they both say, Shkayach and Karabal Gimar over here. We'll stop over here for today. Wishing everyone again a lichtig Chanukah and a good Chodesh.